Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am Frank LaRosa, your host, and I'm excited for you to join our conversation. As everybody knows that listens, my goal of these conversations every week is to really talk about current events and things that affect you as a financial advisor. And I'm really excited today to have a special guest on the call with me today, Adam Antoniatis, who's the CEO of Satera Financial Group. And he's been around a long time. He spent his whole career pretty much in the independent financial service space. So he brings a really great perspective on where things are, where they've come from, where he sees them going. And so I'm really excited for you as our listener to listen in on our conversation. Adam, thank you for being on this call. I really appreciate it. How's it going? Going well. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the airtime. Although hearing you talk about how long I've been in this business, I'm starting to feel old here. So <laughs> I just said a while. I didn't use any particular <laughs> it's a long time while, frame. So it's, it's been a long while. It is funny. You hear people talk about they've been in the business a long time and it's less than 10 years or whatever. And you just realize how little that individual has gone through. And it's just a matter of what's going to come next. And so I just want to get into with you, really just have a conversation about what I think is happening right now. One of the things that's on the front of everybody's minds, and really I want to get an understanding of how you have been handling it sort of in the past and how you're seeing the changes now is the effects of COVID and what happened with the industry. How did Sotera really get across? Before we get into where we want to go with this thing, I thought maybe because of Adam's background, Adam, you just maybe give the listeners a little bit of color on where you came from and what your background was. And so they have some context about why I was so excited to have you on the call. I appreciate the kind words, that's for sure. But started in this business straight out of school. I think it was 87 or 86, something like that. I can't remember. I've lost track at this point back in England. And believe it or not, they had what you might think of as independent contractor business back in England. I was there through, I think, three years through 89. Moved to the foreign currency markets for three years and then eventually found my way out to the States in an independent firm and really have sort of fallen in love with that part of the business and have been here all along through different types of independent firms. By that, I mean different ownership structures, different sort of sponsors. Been, had a firm that was owned by Wells Fargo, lots of private equity owned firms and a couple of public ones. So we've been a part of the full spectrum, if you like in this space for a long time. <laughs> That's great. So you give some perspective. So why don't we just get into, just jump into one of the, sort of the main topics since unfortunately the topic du jour, and that is COVID and what happened and every firm handled it differently. And I say every firm, I'm talking about wirehouse firms, W2 firms, independent firms. I want to talk to you about what you guys did and how Sotera not only showed some leadership with their advisors, but how are you coaching and talking to your advisors about how to use technology, Zoom technology and all this stuff really to get over the hump? Because a lot of advisors that haven't been in the business in a long time never went through a crisis. So September 11th was a crisis, the mortgage crisis. There's a lot of advisors that are successful today had never been through really any major issue. So how did you guys guide them through 
this type of crisis when it first happened? It's actually a really good question because everyone's got to remember that when the pandemic hit, or I should say when it started to play out in a way that restricted the business, it really started with a 150 basis point hit on interest rates, which to firms like ours is sort of painful, as everybody I'm sure knows. So we were sort of left dealing with not only a P&L hit, but also this idea that, hey, we didn't know where this was going to begin and end, what sort of the long-term effects, the market was off 20%, if you remember, and we sort of had those pivotal moments where you make a choice. When I look around, I see some, the most important thing for us to focus on was the challenges that advisors were facing. So we sort of had a choice, focus outwards and see what everybody else is doing and see if we can find opportunity there or stay in with our internal advisors and focus on their situation and their problems that they're sort of running into. Because ultimately, if we could take care of those, it's completely aligned with what's happening to us. And that's what we really did. We immediately enacted a team that said, how can we anticipate the challenges that advisors were facing? And frankly, that continues today. And that materialized into three different ways. The first thing is, they don't really know how to talk to their clients about COVID. People forget that financial advisors are often the trusted advisor. It's often the person that the client goes to. When we, I'll give you an example. When the Experian breach on data, you remember that? It was the number one question that our advisors got, right? And they're not identity theft experts, but we needed to equip them with that type of information. So just getting them to a place where they could talk to their clients about COVID based on what we knew was really, really important. How did they sort of communicate with them? How did they put information out there? How did they sort of keep them comfortable about where the market was going? Making sure they knew that this is about the playbook, staying in the market, staying invested, not reacting to the 20% decline. All those things were really important. So getting that sort of communication framework, helping them with their teams, that was step one. Step two, was really around, okay, there's an economic impact to you. So how are you going to navigate that? Are you going to furlough people? Are you going to have to lay people up? What tools are available to you? How can we help you? And of course, the stimulus was a big part of that equation. So helping them navigate that became a critical part. And then look, independent advisors, people forget they are first and foremost small business owners. And applying that lens to that conversation really starts to inform what they're dealing with. If a market's down 20%, so is a lot of their revenue. So how are we going to help bridge that gap? And a tremendous amount of energy started to pivot into the growth side of the business, which is how do you capture assets in motion? We know that not all client advisors engage their clients during times of disruption. A lot of them shy away. They put their head in the sand. They don't want to take the phone call. It's often on the employee side because they don't have the same challenges that an independent advisor who has business bills to pay has to deal with. So just making sure that we help them position themselves to sort of capture market share as assets were moving was important. But look, to your point on technology, there was really two or three pieces of technology that carried the day. We delivered everything digitally because it gets to people quicker. The first thing was getting up and running on Zoom. We didn't sort of stop and say, 
we want to make sure it's embedded in our platform. We just got them the discount, got them the mechanism to get it up and running because it was important for them to talk to their client. That was step one. Step two was getting end-to-end lead generation sort of processes up and running through a, a technology solution we call Marketing Central. It's a fully digitized marketing process that has turnkey lead generation programs and referral programs. So that was a big part of it. And then ultimately, how do they run their business? What are the things they're doing to run their business on a day-to-day? And how can we help them with that information, whether it's client-ready calls on the markets or experts on how pandemics work? We brought in someone from American Funds to sort of talk to all the advisors. He was a pandemic expert. He sort of helped create two or three ways in which to engage a client and talk to them about it. Because clients are panicking at that time. They don't know what to expect. So just tooling the advisor with those types of issues. And then to me, the most important thing of all, you commented on a lot of advisors have not seen this type of disruption before. I don't think anyone's seen this type of disruption before. Exactly, yeah. But they had seen bad markets. So what we did was we went to our most senior advisors, the ones that lived through 01, and if you're as old as I am, 87, and then 08 and 09. And we put them up on a, what we call face-to-face. So we got our best advisors. We got them in front of the whole field. And we said, okay, share your wisdom. And look, we know one thing, advisors learn best from advisors. And just having them calm the troops, making them feel like, okay, this will get better. Giving them that sort of perspective on how to interact and how to show up on a day-to-day basis, I think was massively valuable. But look, here's the really... From a strategic standpoint, here's what was really important. To enable that and to fund that, because it costs a lot of money to do those things, we really had to make choices about what we were going to stop doing, particularly in the wake of the impact of interest rates. So we started making choices about things that we were going to de-emphasize. Anything that didn't service the advisor, we shut it down, stopped working on it. And it's about priorities. It's about focus. And our view was, this was a time to not worry about our plan and to start worrying about advisors. And look, we sort of lent into the problem and I, and I feel really good because it's, it's actually changed our strategy. Well, just to jump around a little bit, but I'm just curious as you talk about changing your strategy. And by the way, you talk about your marketing group. For those that are listening, if they want to DM me, you can DM me, Frank LaRosa, that elite. I read today because I'm preparing for a live next week about growing your business. And I actually got a great piece from you guys, the best ways to ask for referrals and how to make it successful. I was reading through it and I'm like, this is all great stuff. And I really categorized each area. If you're an advisor and you're struggling, as you were an advisor, I believe also, there's a fear in terms of asking for referrals. And you read this thing and it really gets you comfortable with asking for referrals. So we'll be able to send that out for anyone that has any interest listening. So but when you talk about strategy, when we jump around a little bit, in 2018, there was an ownership change with Cetera. And for those of you that don't know, those, so GenStar, which is a private equity firm, purchased Cetera for, I guess, north of $1.7 billion. And a lot of people were hesitant about what- Allegedly. Allegedly. I haven't seen the documents, so I'm only using what I've read. But one of the big things about that deal was that it was all about top-line revenue, and they were really interested in helping you- and your team grow the advisor top line revenue. So it was great. How did they function during this crisis as a great partner to you in terms of 
not only their money, their capital, but just their general resources. You're teasing out a really important point, which is not all private equity firms are created the same. And I'm not saying one's bad or one's good. And you've seen several at this point, so it's interesting. And I've seen both ends of the spectrum. There's those players that are sort of all about expense management. They're going to take out every possible sort of piece of fat and drive P&L profitability by sort of bringing down average cost of service type of thing. And that's, it's not a lot of fun, I can tell you, I've lived it. And to me, it doesn't create alignment with the end client and the advisor, because often what you're cutting are services. On the other side of the spectrum, you've got people that have got a growth playbook. And if you look to the history of firms, of private equity firms, you can see what they do. They've got a pattern. They repeat that playbook over and over again. It is the proverbial smart money per se. When the company changed ownership, we went through a bake-off, what they call a bake-off. They also, we had 19 different firms start in the process. And the one thing that stood out, you do management presentations with just about all of them. One thing that stood out about GenStar is they spent five minutes talking about expense management and five hours talking about how you were going to grow and what levers were available to be able to pull in order to drive growth. And the importance of that conversation is it has an aligning effect with everybody in the sort of ecosystem, the advisor, the consumer, the employees, the shareholders, everyone sort of gets on the same path. That was important. It was, that's why we picked them, I should say. It was sort of the first time that their commitment to that was tested. Business had been growing nicely before that. I'm pleased to say that, look, I would say that GenStar, it really truly is smart money. They're in the top decile across the world in terms of performance for the last however many years since inception, I think. And I will tell you that they asked the question, do you have the expense figured out? And we said, we've got a program, we've got a plan, we're going to execute against it. We know what we're going to stop doing in order to fund what we're going to start doing. And frankly, that was the last time they wanted to talk about it. They're all about how are we going to take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, more importantly, they were really supportive of our pivot away from M&A. We're obviously always in the market for recruiting, but it wasn't number one priority through the pandemic, the beginning anyway. It was really all about making sure our installed base of advisors, the guys that were with us for a while, that were properly taken care of, and look, they've got an incredible, they call them strategic advisor board, which are industry leaders who have been there, done that, and have got the trophies to show it, so to speak, and just given us access to that, those capabilities to help us make good decisions. It's second to none. So look, the partnership is great. We feel really good about, we really got it right. I can tell you, I haven't always got it right in that world. And I subscribe to one very important sort of factor. When I do business with someone, I want to be able to take them home to my family. I want to be able to feel good about the person I'm doing business with. And I'll tell you, these guys have done nothing but show up the right way. And ultimately, talk is cheap and actions speak louder than words. And I will tell you that these guys are about as good as they come. Awesome. Great. So when we talk about strategy, we'll stay on the topic of strategy and sort of the industry change. There's been a lot of talk about, and I'll just throw out one of probably your biggest competitors, LPL, recently rolled out this new model, which is an employee model. So there's just all this talk about capturing the retail advisor, 
one of the things that's come out of this COVID is you have advisors that have been sitting home, they're retail, they never thought they could be an independent advisor, but all of a sudden they're independent. They just didn't realize it because they're at home for the last six months running their business, but they're getting paid 38%. They haven't heard from their manager in three weeks and whatever. So there's this competition out there right now to go capture those people. And with LPL's new model, this employee model, I'm curious if there's been conversations about, hey, look, is that a direction we want to go in? Or is there some alternative type of direction that you see happening with your firm? At its core, you're aware of our own design, but maybe for the listeners, we are engineered to deal with specialty markets, smaller communities. So even though we've got 8,000 or so advisors, maybe a little less, we go to market in very specific communities, banks and credit unions, financial institutions. We've got a business that that's all it does. Tax professionals, CPAs and tax professionals. We have a business and a brand that that's all it does. We've got the traditional ensemble, sole proprietor type model. And then we've got the large enterprises, super OSJs, you might want to call them. And these businesses sort of stand on their own. And what it does is it customizes the way we go to market. Early last year, we acquired a company called Foresters. It was sort of more centered in the fund and annuity world, but its profile was not unlike what you're seeing, what's called the breakaway market now. And I think that's what they reference in that solution that LPL created. So we already have a business in that. We've got 40 locations that we host a sort of, we provide what you might think of as office services. Advisors are still independent. They still get a high payout. Obviously, there's an economic sort of formatting that has to happen. They got to rent that space from us, for lack of a better term. And we're already in that space. So people shouldn't expect us to declare that we're launching something new. I would just say that, look, I think, The importance of this business is understanding what the advisor is pursuing and making sure that you're not trying to jam them into a place that isn't consistent with where they want to go. And our communities are built to make sure that that doesn't happen. If you're not a fit for a particular model, we've got others available to you and we want you to be happy going forward. We want to be aligned and we want to make sure that we're delivering against your expectations So I sort of think I'm already in that market. I don't plan to make a big launch and a big hurrah. I'd rather look at every opportunity that comes in with your help, with the help of our business development team, with the help of our brand leaders, our presidents and CEOs, to sort of assess where the right place is for that advisor. And look, too many of our firms like ours don't spend enough time listening. Spend too much time talking about where the advisor should go. For us, that's fundamentally When you really want to drive a growth agenda, you have to first stop and listen to the advisor and understand what's important to them, where they want to go with their business or their practice if they're in a warehouse, and then making sure that you can deliver your platform in a way that's relevant to them is really, really critical. And I think fundamentally that's a difference between how we operate, how the rest of the world operates, their typical firm. I like to say that LPL is in the tallest skyscraper. They're the biggest in the independent space. And their model is you can get to our building any way you want. You can come up the stairs, through the elevator, land with a helicopter on the top. We've got a solution for you. And look, it's a great company. Don't get me wrong. We sort of have a different approach. We've got all the capabilities that that high-rise has. It's maybe not as tall, but we've got every type of service that they have. 
The question is, how do we deliver that service? And I think fundamentally, through this COVID experience, we've really lent into the idea is we've got to go ask the advisor what it is they need, and then we've got to bring our solution to them in a way that matters to them. And we did that by putting a whole series of a whole new group called growth officers. That's all they do. They talk to advisors, help try and understand what the advisor needs, where they're going with their business, and then make sure that we're deploying our assets or our, our value proposition in a way that is relevant to the advisor. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. So that brings up really my last question, and that is where advisors are going. Some of the other dynamics that we've seen coming out of COVID is some advisors are just saying, hey, you know what, I'm sort of done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm at a certain age and I'm not going to be judgmental on any age. But some advisors just say, hey, I've been, this is my third crisis I've been through. I don't want to do it again. And I think that that's something that you have to listen to the advisors. Have you seen that spike at Cetera? And if so, how are you providing a solution to them? I don't know that we've seen an outsized sort of response of people that say, I want out and I want now. I think we spent a lot of time educating advisors over the last several years about the importance of planning, being deliberate about an exit, because then you can maximize and realize and monetize your life's work, basically. They deserve to have that opportunity. So being deliberate about that exit and planning for it is important. The way we've done it, honestly, we don't necessarily subscribe to this idea that we're going to put a bulletin board that everyone, all the buyers and sellers are going to put their interests out there and you're going to have a miraculous matchmaking. It needs to be, for lack of a better term, planned and brokered. So what we did was we created something called Legacy Builder last year. Legacy Builder Solution helps an advisor, first of all, make sure they don't have an unplanned event, helps us give them some protection and say, look, if, if you get run over by the proverbial mug truck, we'll come in and help you. You just got to give us the ability to help you. Give us the ability to come in and take care of your family and your estate should that happen, which is a fairly formal process. There's no commitments on their behalf. And then after that, we sort of help them maximize their business so that they can get the best price. And then separately, we've got a whole list of qualified buyers. We qualify advisors to be aware of what it takes to buy a business. A lot of people don't realize that about 82% of these deals break. Oh, in, I know. Yeah, I see it. They never get consummated. So it's all about making sure that the buyer is ready to buy. The seller is prepared to sell to maximize value so that the price can be right. And then we come in and sort of provide the capital to accommodate it. That's a piece of it. I do think that will expand. I think you'll see us get more deliberate about being an exit source for advisors into ourselves. The intent is to take risk out of the equation. Ultimately, it's all about de-risking the sale for the advisor. It's really critical that we do that. And a couple of announcements coming in in about 30 days. So my marketing team will rip my head off if I actually... <laughs> you can break something now if you want. That's okay. <laughs> They'll know it's me. They're like, ah, oh, Frank did it again. He's so pushy. <laughs> That's right. Well, we look forward to that. So I guess the last thing, and this was a great conversation and really covered a lot of different areas. And I think that for my listeners, a lot of the comments that you made were really about the things that you're doing as a leader and the firm is doing. And so those are the things that really advisors should be looking at their own firms. And are they getting those types of things from their firm 
or not. And so this is like sort of the direct pitch kind of moment. If I have a listener right now and they're thinking about leaving their firm, doesn't matter what kind of firm it is, what would you say are the biggest things why they should consider Satera? And again, there's a whole family of firms and as you say, a community underneath the Satera brand. But what would you tell them if you could talk to them for a few minutes about why they should seriously consider Satera as their destination? I'm going to go a step back and then answer that question if that's okay. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I think people need to realize in the recruiting process, if you live in California, there's a good chance that at some point in your life, you lived in a track home. That's these model homes that get built all the same way. And when you're looking at firms, it's a little bit like that experience. You look at the model home, it's got an ocean view, it's got a huge backyard and a pool and it's decked out. But when you actually buy the house, you get in there and it, the view's not what it is. You walk out and it's a wall. So there's a little bit of that that goes on. And the importance to those that are listening is we see a much better outcome for advisors when they work with groups like yours because this is what you do for a living. You guys are in the business of understanding what each firm is good at. And I think the first thing is people have to engage with someone that can help them understand what the extras are, what comes for free, for lack of a better description. And look, because ultimately that will secure fit. And that really dovetails into where we like to differentiate our value proposition. Scale players all have the capabilities. There's a bunch of us. We do a good job, all of us. Some may excel in one area versus another, but at the end of the day, you can draw a straight line between all of them. The question is, who is going to make sure that this is the right fit for you? And we take the opposite side of what you can do for somebody by helping them navigate that sort of barrage of information that they get. And we say, look, we want to be relevant for the long term. When we bring on an advisor, we want to be relevant to that advisor. It's really, really important that we be relevant to them. So because ultimately that's how you get the alignment. So we want to make sure that they're in the right community, that it's a fit with the core business model of that community, whether it's tax professionals or banks and credit unions or sole proprietor or an ensemble. And that's sort of a key differentiator. And then finally, and most importantly, we take the time to listen because ultimately we don't want to be telling you what you have to do. We want to make sure that we're delivering to you what you need. And there's a big, big difference in that process. And it's an underserved skill, listening. My wife tells me I don't do enough of it. But I will tell you that we're really sort of zeroed in on it here at Satera. And ultimately, one thing's for sure, if we can't deliver against what our advisor needs, we're going to tell them because the last thing I want is unhappy campus. And that's sort of a key part of our differentiation. Hopefully that makes sense. That's great. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And thanks. I'll send you the 50 bucks for plugging (laughs) us, but that wasn't planned. But that's the reality is that one of the frustrations that I have as a consultant is sometimes an advisor goes about themselves. And it's not to say that the firms that they're talking to are lying to them. They're just not being completely open with what they can do, what they can't do, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And you can go down a real rabbit hole with there's so many firms and an advisor can spend a whole year talking to different firms, their business will crater, and they'll end up at the wrong place. 
I don't think it's so much around sort of deception or anything like that. I think it's really about expertise. Yours is a profession, just like mine is. It's about knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and knowing what to ask. And I think a lot of advisors, particularly those that have not been in the independent world, don't know how to navigate that process. And we find that the time to make a decision is so much shorter when there's groups like yours in there. And we find that the probability of success is that much higher. It's a plug for you and I ask that people take it at face value. There's definitely no doubt in my mind that they're better served through a third party. Awesome. And look, it costs me more money, so. No, I know. <laughs> that's the thing that they should know, but that's a testament to your belief in doing the right thing for your, your advisors. So thank you very much. But anyway, listen, that was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. We talked a little bit about everything. For everyone listening, don't forget, I read this piece about asking for referrals and making it successful. Sotera has some great white papers. I try to read as many as I can. And, and this one was sort of really pertinent. If you want to DM me, I'll get you that white paper. It's really great. But Adam, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. We went a little bit longer, so I appreciate it. But great content. We can keep going. For my listeners, thanks again for listening in. I appreciate it very much. I hope this was as valuable to you all as it was for me. And with that said, I'll see you next time. Adam, thanks a lot, and I appreciate it. Thank you. appreciate it, and thank you for all you do for these advisors. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.